Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Happy Mother's Day to you all. I'm so thankful to get to be with you on Mother's Day. This isn't just for ladies kind of a message today. This is for all of us who've had a mother. That would be all of us. All of us need to be celebrating and desire to celebrate the ladies that God gave us to pour into our lives from birth until whenever he called them home. I love Mother's Day because one, I have the best mom in the world. My mom has always been what I've considered the best mother in the whole wide world. I also love Mother's Day because I have the privilege of having four biological children and hundreds of Namibian in my heart children that I've gotten to be a part of their lives. I've always said that my favorite thing I've ever done in my whole life is to be the mother of my four and of the hundreds of Namibian kids that I've gotten the privilege to love. So Mother's Day is special, but this Mother's Day is more special than ever because in my lifetime, this is the first stay-at-home Mother's Day I have ever participated in. You didn't have to get up today and get the kids up and the husband up, get everybody moving towards church. Didn't have to get everybody to eat, find that missing shoe, get the children's dress. And the best part, we didn't have to put on our makeup, do our hair, get dressed. All you had to do is hopefully find somebody in your family to make you a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and hand you a delicious rusk and you settle in to enjoy our service today. A little something to ponder though on this Mother's Day. In the Three Bears story, you know the Three Bears story that you grew up hearing? Have you ever noticed that Papa Bear's porridge was piping hot and Baby Bear's porridge, of course, was perfect in every way. But poor Mama Bear's porridge was too cold. Just some food for thought. (laughs) So, we all have an idea of what a good mom is. All of us do. And we all would say that our moms did the best they could in loving us, in trying to make our lives easier, any way that they could to make our lives easier. We've had moms that we were proud of. When my children were younger, and all still at home, uh, I was coaching a swim team in Rundu. And we, uh, I brought the team down to Ventuk to uh, compete in a swim gala there. And I was, uh, had been training myself and I was going to compete in the 200 meter freestyle uh, open swim, the master's age group swim. And so as I, uh, we were there at the event and I was putting all my Rundu kids and my own children were all there and my two older children were swimming too. Uh, I thought I heard them call the 200 freestyle uh, open swim, master swimming. And I went, oh, that's mine. And I grabbed my cap and my daughter Casey went, no, 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 mom, that wasn't yours. I said, no, they just called that open swim age group. 
And she's still shouting, and I'm doing this, going, no, no. And I go running up there, and the announcer at the swim gala says, oh, we have one more coming in. Where are you from? I said, I'm from Rundu. And he said, well, let's give her a hand. This is the first time we've had anybody from Rundu swim in this uh, event. And so, clap, clap, clap. And so then um, the gun shot off, and I took off, and... I swam, and I swam a few strokes, and I breathed, and nobody was there. And I swam a few strokes, and I breathed, and nobody was there. And I thought, hmm, there's really something going on. So the next time I breathed, I really looked back over my shoulder, and everybody in the pool was doing butterfly. Oh, no. So I just stopped in the lane, let them all butterfly past me, and I ducked under the lane ropes, crawled out on the side of the pool, and I was laughing. And the announcer in the microphone goes, not the event you wanted? And I went, no, I'll see you again in a little bit. So I started walking back over to where my swim team was and all my children were. And as I walked over there, all my kids had towels over their heads sitting on a blanket. And my children started shouting, go away, mom. Go away, don't come here. So we do sometimes have that kind of situation. So I looked to the Bible for encouragement. Surely there's some other mothers that weren't so perfect in the Bible. And I didn't have to go far to find one. So today's message is entitled, Rahab the Prostitute, a mom to be proud of. We first read about her in Joshua 2 as the Israelites were preparing to come into the promised land after 40 years of wandering. In Joshua 2, it tells us that uh, Joshua sent out two spies to go ahead and to especially go into Jericho and spy out the land. It says they came that night to the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed the night there. But someone told the king of Jericho that these spies were there in their land. And so he sent soldiers there to Rahab who said, Bring these men out because these are spies in our land. Rahab had hidden these men, and she replied to these men, Well, they were here earlier. I really didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I think if you would hurry, you might could catch them. On the outside there. And so the men that uh, she had hidden were hidden upstairs on the roof underneath the, the stacks of, of uh, flax and hid, hid them underneath there while these soldiers were there. And as they went off, she went up to the top of the roof to talk to the spies. And when she got there, she said to these two spies, I know the Lord has given you this land. We are all so afraid of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the land in the Red Sea. We've heard what you've done to the other kings as you destroyed the kings. We've heard what you've done to their people, total destruction. No wonder our hearts melt in fear. And this is what she says I think is so fantastic. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. 
And then she asked these spies, promise me that you will let me live and all my family when you return to take over this land. My brothers, my father, my mother, all of my relatives promise us. So the spy said, if you don't betray us, then yes, we will do exactly as you have asked. So as she was lowering them down, she gave them instructions to go and hide in the hill country for three days. And that then that when the men came back who were looking for them, they could be able to safely go back to their camp. And so as the men started to crawl down, they said, leave this scarlet cord hanging down like this so we will know where you are. And they said, uh, when we come into the land, you must all be inside here, all of your family, your father, your mother, your brothers, all your relatives have to be inside here. And we will come to where this scarlet uh, cord is and we will save you. But anybody who's on the outside of your house will also be destroyed. So she says, I will do as you've asked. And the men went away and she left that scarlet rope hanging in the window. You know, when you think about the, our Mother's Day focus to, today being Rahab, she was a prostitute, a liar, a committed, uh, had committed treason against her own people. So why did those spies end up at Rahab's house that day? You know, I have seen through the years, God finds those hearts that have been prepared for him. Rahab's heart was a heart that was being prepared by the Holy Spirit, a heart that was being already uh, softened by God as she heard the stories. When she spoke to the spies, she spoke to them about all she had heard about God. She had heard a lot about him, and she was terrified about who she heard God to be. But she moved from fear, fear of God, to faith in God. Fear makes us really do strange things. Fear, I have seen already, and you have probably seen some of this too, fear makes people uh, hoard toilet paper, hoard food, and hoard all kinds of things when they hear that there's a coronavirus. I had a day in the store recently, and I was just kind of walking around to see what all was left on the shelves because so many shelves were empty. And I came to the bread aisle, and the bread aisle was completely empty except for this lady standing in front of four loaves of bread. I was getting my phone out. I wanted to take a photo of the empty shelves. I didn't want bread, but she didn't know that. So she slid off three loaves, and she looked at me and slid it off slowly and put it in her basket as if to say, these are mine. You can't have any bread. Fear really makes us act strange, but not Rahab. She turned from her idols, the idols that were a part of generationally of her family, of her history, of the Canaanite people who they had always been worshiping. She turned from the idols uh, of her past and embraced the God of the Israelites, the people who were about to come destroy the life she had always known. That's a huge move of faith toward God. 
Can you imagine Rahab after they, after the two spies had dropped down uh, out, of, out the window and down the cord? Looking at that cord, knowing that it needed to stay in the window, but also thinking, people are going to see this cord. They're going to see that I've hung a cord in my window. Perhaps people even asked her about it. Perhaps even the soldiers who were guarding the walls asked her, what is this scarlet cord doing hanging out your window? Have you ever tried to hide your faith in God? Have you ever tried um, to only bring it out at the appropriate times, church, or when you're with a bunch of Christians, but otherwise try to hide it? One time, my daughter Casey and I had uh, driven to Vern Hill and to the mall there, and we had pulled into the parking lot and parking garage, and it was so filled with people, and uh, we had just driven around and around and around, and as we drove around, Casey said, Mom, there's, there's somebody about to come out, and so I put on my blinker and sat and waited for this car to pull out, and as the car pulled out, it pulled back in front of us to go forward, but as it pulled out, another car from the other side went right in front and took the parking space. And then this car left. Well, my daughter went crazy and started shouting and everything. I just drove on and started trying to find another parking place. So when we got out of the car, after we finally found one and started walking, Casey said, Mom, there's those people that took our parking place right in front of us. I'm going to go tell them how rude that was. And I said, Casey, you can't do that. I'm wearing a Jesus shirt today. Well, really, we wear a Jesus shirt every day, don't we? Every day we have our Jesus shirt on. But do we want to sometimes hide it? I know Rahab had to think through that. Does she keep that cord up where it might really be the destruction of her life? I also wonder... If every day she would check it, or every few minutes go look, is it still there? Is it hanging straight? Is it, is it secure? It hadn't dropped out, has it? Her checking that, that uh, cord to make sure it was securely fastened. And then she had to make plans with her family. She had to get word to all of her family that there was a plan to be rescued when the day of destruction was coming. She had to organize all of them, but secretly organizing them. This past Christmas, my uh, family organized 36 of us, all the descendants of my mom and dad, to meet at my parents' house uh, to try to get one photo of all of us together at one time. That has not ever happened when all of us have been together. And so with all the organizing and planning and calling back and forth and deciding what we were gonna wear or not wear or whatever it was going to be, Finally, the day came on December 26th, and all 36 of us arrived for this photo. But do you know, as we were at mom and dad's house, there, I don't think there was ever a single time that 36 of us were all together inside the house. Some were in, some were out. Some were out in the pasture, uh, playing out there somewhere. Some were in the front of the house, some in the back of the house, but never were all of us at one time in the house. So I think about what did she tell her family as she organized them? Come, how would they know when to come? 
What were they going to do? Were they going to have a signal? You know, at any point, the whole thing could blow up and she could be put to death for treason against the king. What we do know is that she had a faith that didn't waver as she waited. She waited in faith in the God as she waited to see the day of destruction for Jericho. She didn't do the remodeling of her house that maybe some of us would do. Oh, let me just in case they don't come, let me secure, let me put bulletproofing, let me make everything stronger in my house. She didn't um, flee to the same hills where she sent the spies. She didn't go hide out in the hills with her family where she told them to go hide. She didn't um, pay for guards to come and guard her house. She waited. She just waited and trusted our Heavenly Father. And so then, as she waited, I have a feeling she probably spoke some of her very first prayers to God, to the living God, as she waited. Well, then the day came where God said to the Israelite people to take over the land, to go. And I can just see Rahab when the Israelites started showing up, approximately two, two and a half million people in this people. And as they come, all of Rahab's family running to come inside the doors of her home, running to be in there. And the Israelites marched around the boundaries of the town. And then they went back. They went back to their camp. They did that for six days. You see, Rahab, I just think, Rahab's family watching this every day, but all crowded into this small space, them trying to stay inside the house and wait for the Lord's plan, wait for the rescue that has been promised to them. Don't you know they were afraid? Don't you know that they were confused? I imagine that some of them go, I'm done with this. I'm out of here. I can't take this another day. I think so much must have gone on that we don't see in the Bible that as they waited, as this big, large family trying to hold on on the faith of Rahab as they waited for, for the Lord. And then on the seventh day, again, the Israelites started marching around the wall. But this day, they marched around seven times. And on the last time walking around, they shouted. Now, when you realize that they marched around six times on six days and seven times on the seventh day, that would be, what is that? Seven times, 13 times that they would have walked by that scarlet cord hanging out of Rahab's window. The Israelites knew the story. They knew what it was there for. Don't you imagine every time they walked by, they looked up to see if it was still there? to see if that cord was still dangling. And they probably pointed it out and whispered to one another, knowing that this was all in the plan that they were, that they were about to do. And then the Bible says that when that seventh time when they walked around, they were to shout. And as they shouted, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, but obviously not the walls of Rahab because uh, Joshua, Gets, gives the cry, go get the prostitute and her family and bring them out. And so the two spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father and her mother, 
her relatives, her brothers, everybody. And it says that they moved all of her family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Joshua kept his promise. The spies kept their promise. And Rahab had kept her promise. Can you imagine that gratitude that family must have had to Rahab after this was all over? She went from being that family member that the family kind of whispered about to the family member that was the hero of the family, that stories were told about. We find Rahab mentioned again in the book of Hebrews in that famous chapter, chapter 11, nicknamed the Hall of Faith. In Hebrews 11:31, it says, it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Wow, what an incredible honor to have your name listed in that hall of faith with all those heroes of the faith. James speaks about faith. James speaks about faith with works and faith without works. He says in James 2, 19 through 20, you say you have faith, for you believe there is, is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? We're not saved by our works, but our works are truly an outpouring of our faith in Jesus Christ. It's our faith putting it into action. Not being a secret believer, but being outward in showing who Jesus is to us. That Jesus is a part of every part of our life. That we live, we speak, we work, and sometimes we even die for him. We love, we serve, we have peace, we honestly deal with people, we're not judgmental, we speak kindly. Jesus living in us shows through our life, through our work. And through our through our words. James recalls the faith of Rahab as he's talking about faith with works and uses her as an example. And he says in James 2.25, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers, messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Her faith put into action came at a really high risk for her and her family. Her actions show us truly how much she believed that God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the supreme God of the earth below. Rahab believed him and had more faith in him than she ever had in anybody she had ever known before. She feared God more than she feared anybody around her. And then Rahab the prostitute lived a pretty normal life, walking daily with an abnormal God. We know this because she's mentioned again in Matthew 1, 5 as the wife of Solomon and the mother of Boaz. Boy, is that a wonderful love story worth telling, and we'll have to tell it another time. But in Ruth 4, 16 through 22, we see part of, Ruth, uh, part of this story of Rahab when uh, Ruth marries Boaz, and then they give birth to a son, Obed. And it says here, And they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, 
and the grandfather of David. And they list there the lineage. It says in verse 21, Solomon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David. Can you just imagine Boaz with a mother like Rahab the prostitute? Don't you imagine there were stories that everybody knew and Boaz would say, that's my mom. That's my mom. And Boaz would say to Rahab, tell me that story again. Tell me the story, how God rescued you. And she would recite these stories again and again. We see in the Ruth story how Boaz was raised by Rahab to be a kind man, to be a man that was kind to the poor, to do what was right before God and man. He was a man of integrity, respected, honored, and she taught him to teach the next generation who the mighty God of Israel is for all people. Now that's one incredible mom. Then Rahab is found again, as I said, in Matthew 1, 5 and 6. Solomon was the father of Boaz, who was, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. And then it continues to verse 16. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. In that lineage, there are five ladies only who are listed. And one of them is Rahab, the prostitute. Because the choices Rahab made, future generations were eternally changed. In Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9, it talks about how we are to obey the Lord. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road when you're going to bed and when you're getting up, tie them to your hands, wear them on your foreheads as reminders, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We have to teach our children how to come see Jesus for themselves. So often we ourselves love Jesus with all of our heart and we think our children will grow up to do the same, but they don't necessarily do that. We so often miss raising children who are going to be adults who love Jesus and give everything to follow him. How do we do that as mothers and grandmothers and spiritual mothers when there's so many voices pulling our children away from Jesus? Well, in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, it says, So since then, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he has faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we, we, there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And Jesus is there for you and me. If we ask Jesus to help us to be the best mom possible in loving and having wisdom 
in patience, in being holy. We can approach him and ask him for these things. And he is the one that can give us these things. We remember that God doesn't ask us to be a perfect mom. God asks us to take our children and teach them to run to a perfect Savior. As children, we have the responsibility of choosing Jesus for ourselves. Generationally, your decision matters. What was decided one generation back, we have to make that same choice for ourselves. Our decision matters tremendously in the kingdom of God. My grandmother, Herring, loved Jesus. And so she taught her daughter, my grandma Thomas, to also love Jesus. And grandma Thomas chose him for herself. And then she showed Jesus to her daughter, grandma Riles, to love Jesus. And grandma Riles loved Jesus. And she showed Jesus to her daughter, my mom, Carolyn Lamb. My mom showed Jesus to me. What a privilege to have that heritage that I get to teach my children and my grandchildren about Jesus. There's not one perfect mom in my lineage. It's a bunch of ladies that have actually had to throw out that scarlet cord out of their heart and say, I need a savior. I need to be rescued. I need help. A life any life given to Jesus can be made different. Any life given to him can be changed, forever can be changed. Jeffrey Dahmer was a guy in our history books, a criminal, an awful criminal, who we are told that a man named Roy Ratcliffe was able to share Jesus with him in prison. And as he shared Jesus with, with Jeffrey Dahmer, he gave his heart to Jesus, and uh, Roy Ratcliffe said he had the last eight months of his life to disciple him before he was murdered by another prisoner. Someday, if this is true, if Jeffrey Dahmer truly gave his heart to Jesus, someday I'm going to be in heaven with a serial killer. I'm also going to be in heaven with addicts, with liars like Abraham and Jacob with thieves like the one hanging on the cross beside Jesus. I'm going to also be there with people who weren't very patient, with people who are gossips, with people who are liars, or people who failed to forgive. I'm going to be in heaven with a famous prostitute named Rahab. Unless you and I recognize our need to be rescued from our sin by Jesus, we, as great as we are, none of those things, we still will face eternity without God. He tells us that we will have eternal punishment if we do not choose for ourselves to put our trust in Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross for us. Have you ever done that? Have you asked Jesus, to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life, to be Lord of your life? Have you ever completely given yourself in full faith in the only one who can rescue you? If you want to do that, 
You can find that on our webpage. You can find that numbers or ask somebody, uh, contact us. We would love to pray with you, talk to you more about the greatest decision you could ever make. Take this teaching today, this lessons that we can learn from Rahab the prostitute. Take them to heart. Her first faith was based on the story she heard about God. She heard from others who God was. We need to be sharing Jesus everywhere we go. We need to be taking him first in our homes, to our own family, then to the workplace, to school, as we go about our day, all the things that we're doing, sharing Jesus because people are waiting to hear about him. And then our faith should be shown through our action. We should be changed because Jesus lives inside of us. Our words, our emotions, our choices highlight that we believe in Jesus Christ and courageously stand for Jesus at work, in school, in home, and show your scarlet cord for all to see who you belong to. Have a, a waiting faith that never wavers when your prayers aren't yet answered. Trust and wait on your heavenly Father. God purposely seeks everyone, everyone, to draw them into his forever family. It doesn't matter what our past is, where we've come from, what our lineage has been, God really wants to draw us into his forever family. God can use any of us, no matter what we have done or where we have been, to bring him glory and honor for generations to come if we're willing to allow him to use us. I hope you have a wonderful Mother's Day, and I hope that you will be telling the stories that we've heard today of one of our great heroes, Rahab the prostitute. This is Rico Vecca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast. <music>